Welcome to Coffee and Onesies with Nikki and Chelsea. Today we'll be sharing our interviews with a couple different Army personnel, both veterans and active members. So put your onesie hoodie on and grab your warm cup of coffee because we are about to dive in. First, I wanted to thank you so much for doing this and being willing to tell your story. It's no problem. Okay, and then I wanted to ask you, how was your enrollment process with the military? How was my enrollment what? Your enrollment process. I I don't understand what that means. My enrollment... Process. So when you first enrolled in the military, do you remember what year it was and how that yeah, process yeah, went? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I went in in 1946, in January 1st, 1946. That's when I enlisted in the Army. That's when they took me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I don't know if this means anything. I was in the Army for a year and a half. I came out in July 1st of 1947. So I was in the service. I signed up for a year and a half. Okay. And then when you were going to enroll, did you have to go to a place to enroll or did you just send a letter? You had to go to New York. There was an office in New York. You had to go for the military to enroll. So they had a special office in New York City. Okay. And then do you remember when you were going to New York, were you nervous or were you excited to join the military? I was very excited to join the military. I wasn't nervous. I wanted to go. Oh, really? That's right. I wanted to sign up. And did you have other family members that had signed up before you? No. No, I had family members that were drafted. Oh. They were drafted into the Army. They didn't sign up. And were they drafted at a young age? Yes, they were drafted about 18, 19 years old. Okay. That that, That was during the Second World War. During the Second World War? That's right, the Second World War. That's when the World War was on. And they just sent you a letter when you're being drafted. You had to go down for an interview, and you went into the Army whether you liked it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the way it was at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else? So could you just tell me and explain your – so you said you were in the Army for a year and a half. Could year and you a year. explain your process within the Army? How was it? Um, did you make any friends, any of that? I, I don't understand what you mean. Okay, so when you were in the Army, how was when your was it, experience? My experience was very good because when you go into the Army, you go for three-month basic training. You could, They have basic training where everybody goes, whether you draft or you join the Army, you have to get basic training. They train you to be a soldier. That takes three months. After after three months, they can send you anywhere that they want. I ended up going to Texas. 
That's where. Yeah. This is this is where they sent me, Texas. They didn't send me overseas. They sent me to Texas. And did you enjoy being in Texas? Yes, I enjoyed it because what I did, what I did, okay, is you did the same thing every day. You went out with a unit of, of soldiers and you did this and you did that. But what I did, okay, I don't know if this means anything to you. I I had two were in the military police and they told me to go down for an interview to join the military police, which I did. And I spoke to a colonel and he wanted to know, you know, why I want to join the military police. And I told him, because if I like it, I'm going to rejoin the army because I'm only in for a year and a half. Okay, so I, I was interviewed a little over six months. So I had about 11 months more to go. And he says, okay, he says, I'll notify your sergeant what my decision is, whether you could come and talk to me. And that's what I did. And then the sergeant, two weeks, he said, the police wants to talk to you. And I went down there, okay, and he says, okay, you're in the military police. Get your gear and come on in. So I was in the military police, I think, for 11 months in Texas. So it's like a policeman. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a military. You were a cop in the military. Yeah. Military. So you called the military police. So that's what I did, and yeah. I and I enjoyed it. So what happened was when my time was up, that I was going to get. The- called my sergeant. He wanted me to go in and talk to him, which I did. And he told me, he says, are you going to rejoin? And I said, no. So he looked at me. He says, wait a minute. You told me if you liked it and you told me you did like being the military police, you were going to re-enlist. Why why aren't you re-enlisting? And I had to lie to him. I had to lie to him. I told him because my girlfriend, we broke up. That's the reason I enlisted in the Army. And when I came home, we made up. Mm. After three, we made up. But then while I was in the army again, when I went back, she didn't like the idea of my being away. So she started to go out with other guys. (laughs) Yeah, that's what she did. And I wrote her a letter and I broke up with her. So I stood in the military up until my time was up. Yeah. And then were you happy to be leaving the military after that point? Yeah. I I didn't want to join up again because if you joined up, you had to join up for four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't want to join up for four years because if you joined up for four years, you're locked up. You can't go. You know, you can't get out. So after... After a year and a half, I was able to get out. And I didn't want to be in the Army for four years, even though I liked it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So even though I liked it. So after a year and a half, I came home. Yeah. And then when you went home from Texas to New York, did you feel different after that time in the Army? or? I became very, very hard to explain. 
I, I was not upset being in the Army. My nerves were great. The only thing that upset me was when I came home. I sit home for two weeks before I went back to my old job. And my old job was working in the factory, which was terrible. So, you know, being away in the Army, I, I went down and I took a test for the New York Police Department. You know, and you have to fill out an application and all that, and then you go down for a test. And they wanted to know why you want to join the police department. And I put on the application. I was in the military police and whatnot. But they don't just take you. You have to take a written test. And I failed on the written test. I failed. They asked you a lot of questions, which I don't remember. But you have to get over uh, 70 mark. I don't, I don't remember. And I was, mm -hmm. under, I was under there. Mark, so they they didn't take me in the police department, even though I had experience as a policeman in the army. That yeah. that that didn't help. That didn't help me. So I had to end up going back to work in the factory. What else? Okay, and then after you tried to get past that test and you went back to the factory, how long did you stay in the factory? I worked. I worked in the factory for. I went there when I was sixteen years old. Okay, mm -hmm. sixteen, and and I got out of it after I worked for sixteen years in the factory, from sixteen to thirty-two years old. At thirty-two years old, I had a friend that was working for a drugstore. And he asked me if I wanted a job as a stockman in his uh, store that he was working. And I said, yeah, I want to get away from working in the factory, which I did. So I took the job there. And mm -hmm. the, job, the job working in that drugstore was very, very hard at the beginning. But I started off as a stockman. I ended up as a floor man. I ended up as a, an assistant manager. Okay, and then after five years, okay, I became a manager. Oh, okay? that's so great. Well, I became a manager, and I be I stood as a manager for six. Years. Then mm -hmm. I got promoted. Then I got promoted to work in the office. And, and and working in the office, it wasn't just working. There was a lot other that things that I had to do, because what I used to work for was a Genovese drug drugstore which has stores all over mm -hmm. and my job is very hard to explain to you okay what my job was it wasn't just one job after I left the, as being the manager and working out of the office my job was tough but I was glad that I left being a manager of a store because that was a tough job too to begin with I, it's mm -hmm. very hard for me to explain to you what I had to go through so I had, so I was very glad that I left being the manager and going to the office, but working from the office for a big drugstore company, I had a lot of, I had a lot of responsibility, which I, which I was good at. I was good at it, but I had a physical problem all my older years. I got it out, I got it on my first job in the factory, and and the physical problem got worse. Even though, okay, 
I had to do physical work, even working for the drug chain. It's hard to explain. Yeah. It's very hard to explain, okay? Mm-hmm. So what else do you want to know? And then after you came back from the military, um, how soon after that? Because I know that you said you went back to the factory and then you went into the drugstore. That's right. Um, That's and right. In between there, you met your wife, correct? I met my wife when I came out of the Army. Okay? When I came out of the Army, I was 19 years old, and she worked across the street in her cousin's place in a, a dry-cleaning store. So I took my pants in to have it clean, and that's how I met her. I didn't say nothing to her right away, but when I had to go back to get the pants if it was dry-cleaned, I got to talking to her, and I asked her for a date, and she says, okay. She just became 16 <laughs> years old. So that's when I met my wife, at 16 years old. Wow. Okay. And then right I, after you went on your first date, was it, did you both click automatically? Yes, we did. We went, we went together for two years. Okay. She was 18 years old and I was 21 years old. And that's when we got married mm-hmm. at 18. She was 18 and I was 21. When you met your wife, um, was it hard to transition into that relationship after the military? Was it hard to go into that relationship? Mm-hmm. No, this wasn't hard. See the girl that I was going out with. Okay. And we broke up when I was in the service. She broke up with me. I broke up with her. We got together. But when I came out, I did not get in touch with my ex-girlfriend because I met my wife and I started to go out with her. Mm-hmm. So that's... Okay. And then after the military, when you then became a... When was it when you were like, talked about being a war vet was it years later or no when 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 you come out of the service they give you a discharge paper okay but they don't have it on there what they have on there is uh what you did while you was in the service so i had it on there what they did printed legally i was a military policeman Mm -hmm. considered that's what i was when i was in the service but I was not a military policeman for a year and a half. But I was a military policeman for a long time of the time I was in the service. And that was on my discharge paper, military policeman. That was my category for being in the service. Okay. And then, so after you were out of the military and started back up with life were there any challenges after that no challenges whatsoever what happened was what happened was when i was discharged a week after i was out of the service i happened to be across the street from my house and a military jeep pulled out pulled up to my house there was two military policemen I got out of the Jeep and I walked over to them and I says, who are you looking for? And they said, Alex Mayorella. I says, that's me. 
we come here to try to convince you to re-enlist in the Army. So I said to him, you want me to re-enlist? She says, yeah. If you re-enlist, you could be sent anywhere in the world that you want to go to. But that's baloney. Once you, once you join the service, they could send you anywhere. You can't tell them where to send you. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I told them, no, I'm not going to re-enlist. I'm not going to re-enlist. Okay? And that was it. But they tried to talk me into it, but I refused. Because if I was going to re-enlist, I would have re-enlisted before I got out of the Army. Yeah, exactly. While I, while I was still in the Army, I would have re-enlisted then. But they, mm-hmm. but they sent them to talk to me to try to change my mind. And I said no. Mm-hmm. So that was it. And then once you were out of the military, was there anything you wish you would have done differently at all? No, no, no. No. Nothing at all. Well, that's good. Um, and I'm almost done, I promise. So... I did have two more questions, which was, if you could give anyone joining the military right now any advice, what would could you I give them? Could I give them any advice anybody wants to join the military? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're asking me? Yes. My advice is to be a good soldier, okay? Do what they want you to do. Because there are times that somebody could be in the service in the military, and they're very arrogant. Yeah, they they believe me. We had a couple of guys like that, and they they would they, depending on what the situation is, they could discharge you. There's a word for it, okay? It's not a good discharge, okay? So you got to do everything that they tell you, and as you go along, you understand why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you got you got to straighten out as you go in the type of person you are, you have to end up liking what you do in the military. You got to do everything that they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. So after a certain amount of time being in the military, you go in and you they call you a, a private. Okay, private. Then the second one is first class. So I became first class. Mm-hmm. So they put a stripe on, on your uniform, on your arm. A stripe, okay? They put a stripe on to show that you're a first-class military soldier. Then you go to the second one. They called, I forgot what they called that. Then they put a a double stripe and then a triple stripe, you're a sergeant, okay? Mm -hmm. And then after that, you became whatever, lieutenant, which, of course, I never got up that far. You know, I, I just went first class, and that was it. But they were very happy in the way I did whatever I did being in the service. This is the reason why they wanted me to re-enlist. And they, they wanted me to stay, of course, in the military police. They wanted me to stay. Military, you joined... Because you was in the military police. If you rejoined, you would have still been in the military. Sent you anywhere that they wanted to send you. Mm-hmm. You had no say of where, even though I was in Texas, if I rejoined, they could have sent me overseas. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So that's the story behind it. Okay. And then I just have one final question, and that is with your overall experience of the military enrollment and then discharge, all of that, what was your favorite experience you got to take away from being in the military? What experience to take away from being in the military? Yeah, what was your favorite? No, no. The military experience was great. Mm -hmm. It was great because if I talked to anybody at all, I would tell them, and I don't remember who, but, you know, I met a few people who were in the military. They came from uh, the local town that I lived in. Okay, they were drafted. They were drafted, but I met them in the, in the service, in the, in the company that I was with at the and we became friends. There were two guys that we became very friendly with, but they were drafted into the military, and they didn't know when they were going to be. When you're drafted, you don't have an idea of how long you're going to be in. It was up to the government to say, okay, you put in your time. But it was pretty good because of the fact that after a year and a half I got out, they got out, they were discharged six months later. For whatever reason, I don't know. But when you're drafted, the government could keep you up to four years. Mm -hmm. But they, they let them out earlier for whatever reason. I didn't understand it, but that's the way it went. Yeah. Okay, what else? Anything else? Okay, and no, that's all for today. But I just wanted to thank you for taking time to just... Yeah giving some knowledge into the military because not a lot of people know really what goes on in the military. Right. And right. Um, yeah, so I just really wanted to be able to talk to you about it since you have more of a knowledge, especially back in the day with the World War II and right. how things were right. back then. Right. Um, so yeah, so just thank you so much for taking That's okay. I, I just want you to know whatever you're doing, and whatever you're asking me, the whole thing in a nutshell, the way I felt being in the military, I enlisted. I enjoyed what I did. I put in my year and a half, and I went back to normal when I came out. That's all. Thank you to Alexander Mayarella for being our first interview for tonight. And next up, we have Chelsea's brother, which she will actually be interviewing. And you guys can take it away. Well, I am so happy that I could be joined today with my brother. Um, thank you again for taking the time to meet with me and just kind of like sharing some insights about the military and your experience thus far. And you've been in the military for quite some time. So I will kind of just turn turn the mic towards you, Bub, and you can um, tell me about the branch that you're in and if you can share any details of what your position name is or maybe like what that day-to-day -day looks like. So yeah, I'm in the uh, United States Navy um, going on 15 years. November will be 15 years. Um, I'm assuming by your position, you mean like my pay grade? Yeah, I, I guess like what, what your, I don't know because I don't my really job. understand too much of like, yeah, so what your job title is, what does that kind of look like? Because I know that you worked on carriers for a bit. 
Um, and I guess I thought that your title or your job was named like a machinist mate, but maybe that's what you started so, off as. No, no, no. So <laughs> machinist mate, uh, in the Navy, we call them rates. Um, I think in the Marine Corps Army, they call them Um, So I am a uh, chief petty officer, E7, um, machinist mate. Um, so with machinist mates, when I was on a carrier, my first command was the USS Nimitz uh, CVN-68, which is a carrier naval uh, nuclear out of San Diego. Um, there I worked in nuclear power. Um, so I ran, I worked in the main machinery room. So we ran steam turbines, reduction gears, uh, distilling units or evaporators, which essentially uh, is where you take uh, seawater from the ocean and turn it into fresh water. Uh, to be used mm. for various loads throughout the ship, uh, for cooking, dishwashing, uh, shower, um, bringing some steam generators, make all the power, electricity. So as a machinist mate, we pretty much, um, we do pretty much everything. So we're mm. uh, machinist mates. I mean, realistically, there's no ship on the water that uh, would not be able to move without a started with an engineer. Specifically with the machinist mates, um, I work with steam-powered um, equipment for the most part. Now, I also work with hydraulics, air condition, refrigeration, uh, pumps, valves. Uh, my last command, uh, the USS uh, Iwo Jima um, out of uh, Mayport, uh, yeah. we ran um, two 600-pound steam boilers. Um, so I did that for four years. Um, so yeah, I mean, most of my most of my career, I've been kind of pigeonholed into uh, work in the sharing rooms of propulsion side of the house. Um, but as a machinist mate, uh, by definition, uh, there's a lot that my my rate does. Cool. Yeah, that's. I know that it's so much detail. So I was like, oh, I know like briefly some of the things that you had always talked about, but I don't know how that grew over the years. So when you're not on sea duty and are you still always working on a ship, even when you were on like land duty? So it kind of depends on where you're going. Um, my first shore command, I worked at sub base in Banger, Washington. Uh, within that shop, I worked, compressor shop so we worked on compressors from pressure air compressors to low pressure air compressors uh compressors for refrigeration units uh we worked on compressors for deballasting blowers essentially uh, it's kind of a compressor that for like a submarine or really any ship um mm -hmm. you have to ballast the ship which essentially as you move weight um you bring on more weight take off more weight it's going to change how the ship leans, uh, which mm -hmm. is called from, from, you know, essentially it's called port and starboard from left to right. Um, the trim going aft, like from front to back, how far it is in the water to um, correct the and ballast and move water air throughout the ship. Mm -hmm. And one of those compressors, a deballasting compressor, is basically using high pressure air and forcing water out of the tank. So it's, it's kind, kind of like weight. Like, so your goal is it's, kind it's of like, kind of like weight distribution. Like the weight either is water, right? So yeah. the biggest amount of water, um, you know, source of weight, realistically, is we just have a void and you fill it with water, 
going to weigh it down or you use a compressor to push out the water and make mm-hmm. it lighter to kind of move the, uh, to balance up the load on the ship. What we're doing and what's going on. So that was one of the other compressors. I now, okay. um, on this shorty, I'm an instructor up here on Great Lakes at the uh, Basic Engineering Common Core. Um, we teach us uh, schoolhouse. Uh, we teach all engineers, um, naval engineers, um, basics of how to be uh, the basic necessities they're going to need. I'm kind of familiar familiarizing them with um, kind of terminology, uh, different types of programs, manual uh, concepts that that uh, any naval engineer um, will need. Um, once mm-hmm. they leave our schoolhouse, 29 days of instruction schoolhouse, if they actually have a job um, or a rate, they will go off into their called an, an A school um, for that specific rate to learn uh, curriculum is more tailored to that specific job. Oh, okay. When I first came up here, I worked at the Machinist Mate A School, uh, which we specifically taught them about boiling turbines and air conditioning, refrigerator, like all this stuff that was specific to a machinist mate. Um, and then about a year ago, I moved to um, Beck, which is basic engineering common core. Um, and I am now the uh, leading chief petty officer over that schoolhouse. That's really cool. That's super cool. Well, I know, like, thank you so, so much for sharing the information about your position right now and the branch that you're in. Um, now, share, I, there's so many different branches of the military, and I'm sure that each one of them, or maybe they all share the same process, but I'm assuming, I know that you have to take that kind of like that test that tells you what you would even be qualified to in yes, terms of like, position. Yeah, what position in the military. Now, does that affect an individual's enrollment process? So when you're enrolling, are you specifically, did you specifically enroll to the Navy? Or was it just in a a general um, vicinity of military and they basically qualify you for certain positions and branches? Or do you just have to go in? I guess just share some insights into what, what was that process like? Or did you already know? Were you kind of sorted based off of scores? So, so the ASVAB is 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 kind of like a universal test. Um, essentially, it's almost kind of like an app test. Um, mm-hmm. So, take the ASVAB. Um, there's very questions. I don't remember exactly. I took it when I was. It was like my junior year in high school when I took it. Um, the, it basically kind of gauges on your engineering, your communications. Uh, it kind of like various aspects of kind of like who you are and how you understand certain things so you get a score between i think it's from like one to 99 uh, is the highest you can score um with that it's just you just get an ab an asvab score um the various, uh, branches of the military will have a minimum score in order to actually enroll so i think for the navy i want to say the lowest is i want to say it's 34 um, you have mm-hmm. to get, if you get less than that, you're eligible to join that. Now, when you get to the army, I want to say that the army is like 20 or 25 or something like that. Okay. Um, so that's just more of a general, like, let's just get to a score. Um, and then you enroll into whatever branch you're trying to enroll in. So it's not necessarily 
you you can only get into certain you well to a certain extent you can only get into certain branches based off of your your uh your ASVAB score. Okay. But it's kind of like a pass or fail. Like yes, you score high enough, you can join the Navy or no, you may not be able to join the Navy because you got the score, but you are eligible to potentially join the Army. Something another branch that may have a lower um, ASVAB mm-hmm. requirement. And once you get in there, based off your ASVAB and kind of the different, uh, kind of the breakdown of your ASVAB score, scored, uh, qualify specifically for the Navy. Um, I got a three um, on my ASVAB. So realistically, I qualified for just about anything that I wanted. What um, is the highest three. score that an individual can get? 99. Wow. So, um, within that, they kind of ask you when you go to, um, which is kind of the military, like entrance entrance processing. I don't know exactly what MEPS stands for, um, but that's for all branches. So once you get there, they do your fingerprinting and kind of like do uh, they screen you uh, for physical, um, I say necessarily disability. But, uh, just to make sure you're fit for yes if you're fit right if you can't bend over or you can't yeah. uh you know if you're colorblind right so um i'm sure assuming this that, is also when they screen for any like pre-existing medical conditions as well part of the process um so part of they go through all the physical stuff and check your eyes and you know they do the whole the whole everything um, okay and then once you go to the actual like detailing um, part they kind of just ask you, okay, what are you interested in? Well, you know, okay. um, so I was interested in you know working with my hands and fixing stuff. So based off of my ASVAB scores and where I fell out, um, the kind of like the breakdown, uh, they give you options. Okay, you qualify for this. Um, okay. let me tell you, talk to you about the different types of rates and what they do, uh, and stuff like that. Um, so, did you already know that you wanted to? Did you already have your eyes set on Navy or were there a couple other ones that you were exploring and then your, or maybe your scores kind of opened up even more possibilities? No, I pretty much just wanted to join the Navy. I knew I, from a very young age, I, prior to, um, to, you know, to be like boots on the ground. Like I didn't want to be like army, Marine, yeah. Um, type of thing. I've always uh, had a, uh, you know, taken a, a, a to the water. So um, the Navy is really kind of as being out to sea and seeing the oceans and being able to travel the world. So like that something that's always appealed to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I never, I never tried to join any other boats, just the Navy. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I mean, I didn't, I don't have any, there was nothing I tried to go for. Or really have any limitation on, on based off my scores. My scores are high enough uh, to pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. Okay, that's really cool. I don't even know what the I didn't know what that scoring. I knew that there were different scores, and that's why I knew that certain ones you could qualify for this branch or this branch or maybe this type of position within the branch. But I didn't really know what that 
um, what the score scale was based off of. So that was pretty cool to learn. Now, once you were, so after the enrollment was done and you signed, you got your scores and everything, did they give you a set time? Because you said that you know that you were still in high school when you were doing this. And I remember that you left right after you graduated. Was that something that was already pre-set up? It was like a, okay, as soon as you graduate, you do this. Did they give you a timeline that, okay, how soon do you want to go after you graduate? Or was it already a, you know, a already determined for you by them? No. Before you were sent off to basic training. So I think there's, there's a couple factors that go into that. One um, is how, how fast do you want to leave? I don't necessarily, I don't think personally but i've heard of people walking into recruiter's office and they leave two three days later the next week um so one part of it is how 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 quickly do you want to leave also Mm -hmm. um based off the numbers um and i kind of learned a little more being up here um but recruiters have a i want to say necessarily say well they do have a quota um but the, the Navy is trying to kind of looks at uh, the numbers and the various rates and where they need people. Um, there's some rates that are uh, have a higher turnover than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, the, so if you wanted to be, have a certain job, like, okay, well, we already have, you're going to have to wait three months to do that. Or okay. if you want to It's going to be based off the needs. Week, yeah. Basically, if you want to leave next week, you could do this, and we can get you out of here next week. It's kind of there's kind of like a mixture mm-hmm. of uh, kind of like combination that kind of makes that uh, that distinction. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I always was always curious of, oh, did you know? Did you were you told that this is the day you're leaving, or you said that okay, I graduate this day, I'd like to be out by this time. But that's kind of, I mean, that makes sense that they're basing it off of one, you know, need job availability yeah that's cool um so i guess i know that every every branch has a different basic training type and i definitely remember going to great lakes illinois (laughs) after your basic training was done and just hearing about your stories while you were there but um i guess for those that aren't familiar um and like i said i know that different branches will have different experiences but what was your basic training like? I mean, did you already have some preconceived ideas of what it was going to be like? And then once you were there, those completely went out the door? Or did it kind of, I don't know if you had other friends that were um, in the Navy? Because I can't remember any of our family members that were in the Navy um, prior to, I feel like you were the first ones. Because yeah, Brandon, Darren, and Dad weren't in the Navy, but um, I don't know. So I guess just were there any preconceived expectations, and were those met or um, um, surpassed once you were in the basic training? No, I mean I don't. I don't think I really had really an idea. A lot of what people uh, people view basic training are based off of movies. Um, unless oh. you have someone that could give you, you know, an actual um, a depiction of what happened, um, it's it's kind of like I didn't really I didn't have that and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely 
my experience with boot camp wasn't definitely it's not a full bell of jacket. It's not what you see in the movies for like screaming in your face and you know scrubbing stuff with toothbrushes and stuff like. To a certain extent, it is. It, it is the the purpose of boot camp. It, it is a very unsettling experience, um, but it's it's made it's made that way, right? That's just by design. And yeah. The concept of you know the kind of the goal of of what basic training uh, is is trying to achieve is you take people from very life and you know from I mean I've met people that were drug dealers gangbangers to people that were you know corn you know in Nebraska or something like that so you take people from all you know different areas of life and experiences and upbringings and you kind of got them down right there's being being in the military is definitely not for for everyone um it it is a bit of a once you learn to how to navigate um the systems and and how you kind of get that's how you say once you once you kind of learn how to to be in the military it's not hard I mean, they're really mm-hmm. the basics of it. There's a lot of people that uh, that fail um, or cannot handle it due to the uh, they're not resilient enough, they're the stress yeah. level, um, they don't like authority, they don't like getting, they don't like the mm-hmm. monotony. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons. In and the basic things. training is to kind of like sniff out those. No, well, part of that um, is yeah. to, I mean, it, it's made to be unsettling. Um, yeah. But it's it's made to break you down um, mm-hmm. from a civilian and rebuild you. Like you're to be reborn, you know, as a service member, mm-hmm. right? And to learn structure, to learn, um, you know, military courtesies and customs. And a lot of people, there's, there's some people that just can't do it. Physically, mm-hmm. was it demanding? No, not really. Yeah. Um, they did do a lot of PT, mm-hmm. but it was more of just, you know, just learning that structure and, 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 and for, again, for a lot of people based off your upbringing, it's, it's a lot of people can't handle it. Um, so I didn't really have any, I don't know. So I, I didn't really expect <laughs> anything like it. Yeah, but uh, it, it I would say it wasn't what I thought it would be because I don't I guess I didn't really have much expectations. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, so and I know we covered the basic training. There weren't any pre pre expectations there, but um, I guess just in general for your military experience thus far, you know, being in your fifteenth year, I know that you're going to you're you're heading towards retirement and i think you can correct me if i'm wrong aren't you you're heading towards retirement at the 20 mark 20 year mark right yes um have there i guess are there any things that you wish you knew before now spending 15 years uh things that maybe you wish you knew before joining the military or are there things that you just are just i guess extremely just grateful and really things that you're really proud that you've learned during your time and, and, and sure that there could even be both. I guess I would expect that there would be a mix of both, but 
I don't know, I guess it's kind of like those things that you hear people, oh, man, I wish I knew this before I got this job, or I might not have went this direction. Are there anything similar that might come to mind? If not, that's totally okay um, that you could share there. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think every day, every day you should be learning, um, especially in the military. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if once you, especially as a, as a senior leader, you know, today's military, uh, I think it's you, every service member should be trying to learn something. They should always be comfortable. That's when you start getting complacent. Mm -hmm. And that's when things happen. That's when people get hurt, especially as a as an engineer. There's no room for that. So you should be constantly yeah. vigilant. You should be have a somewhat unsettled, um, un, unsettling uh, kind of feeling to you. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of uh, that kind of keeps you on your toes and keeps you vigilant to look for uh, the unexpected. Be prepared. So I don't want to say there's necessarily anything that I wish I would have known. Um, I think every day is a learning experience. Um, and what was the second question? Yeah, that was just, that was kind of it. I was, if you wish you knew anything or just what have you learned so far or like, I guess the biggest takeaway from your 15 years in the military um, so far that you you know you're appreciative Ooh, of you, if mean, it the, wasn't for the military I mean, there's definitely a lot that's appreciative I, I'm, yeah. I, I mean i think the military is it, it's kind of it's a give and take relationship i mean and there really is a relationship i mean if you you know the there's so many opportunities and i tell all my my young sailors my students now that if you everybody has their own path and everybody has their own reason why they wanted to join the military um, whether it be to get out of a small town, to get away from a life of crime, to better yourself, to get money, or whatever the case may be, the opportunities are there. And all you mm -hmm. have to do is go and get them, right? And yeah. with any relationship, is a give and take. So specifically with the Navy, um, you know, by the time 22 years old, I have been around the world, three deployments. I've seen, I mean, I had been to the Middle East, uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan, uh, South Korea, Bahrain, Dubai, I mean, China, India. I have been all mm -hmm. over the world. And yeah. that's not something that I, I come back on leave and I talk to my friends and, well, you're still working at the mall or you're still doing yeah. this. You know, and I, I, I'm very grateful. I mean, I was married for almost 10 years, you know, I think the, the opportunities, um, that I had, you know, that I was able to provide for my family and the way the economy is yeah. going, but I didn't, I never had about, you know, losing my job or getting laid off or mm -hmm. any of that stuff. So the job security, I mean, there's a lot that the military has, um, very, very, but again, yeah, you know, if you want to, you know, you give you all this stuff. Okay we'll give you this and we'll give you, you know, job security and, and education and all this other stuff. Okay. We're just going to need you to go on deployment, be here on time, be in a proper uniform and, uh, you know, do your very best. Mm -hmm. Easy day. You're going to have yeah. to, you know, be, it's not always going to be, you know, cupcakes and rainbows. Yeah. You know, every every type of relationship is a, is a give and yeah. take. We always just trying to find those happy meeting mediums. So, I mean, 
especially as an as a as an engineer. I mean, I've it is a very stressful job. Um, I mean, I've lost a lot of sleep, you know, for hours and hours fixing stuff, and you know, up and down and back and forth, and you know. But it has been. I would definitely say, um, I don't have any regrets. I mean, I, I the military has given me so much. Mm-hmm. And again, once you, it's not for everybody. Want to play the game? Once you want to navigate the system, it's it's not complicated. It's mm-hmm. very simple. It does get stressful at times, but you 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 kind of learn to. You can only, especially with the military, right? If they tell you to, if you're, oh, you're going to leave tomorrow, you're going to say bye to your family, you're leaving tomorrow. So, okay, well, I guess I'm leaving tomorrow for six months. There's yeah. no way fans are about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So being, being flexible, understanding that, you know, and accepting that you are not going to be in control of your life for however long you're in, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of understanding that and accepting that, um, there is a bit of a flex flexibility with it, um, especially as you move pay grade and and uh, or you you know you train more people. Um, but for me, I, it's just I understand that you know there's a lot of things that um, I'm not going to be able to control. You know it, whether I have an opinion about it or not, mm-hmm. I can't change it. So I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it that I have to go on deployment or have to go do this. Okay, well, mm-hmm. it's what you, you signed know, up you know, for. If you yeah. don't. You volunteered to do it, so if you don't like it, it's okay, right? It's not yeah. everything you thought it was going to be. Then just mm-hmm. don't enlist. So yeah, it's just it's just kind of knowing how to play the game and accepting, mm-hmm. you know, certain certain realities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess the last question that I'll I'll leave us with is. Um, you know, being in the military so long, and I know that you, you know, you have lots of friends that are not in the military, um, and even prior to the military, um, I guess conversations that you have day to day with those that are not military personnel, are there any, I guess, common misconceptions or misunderstandings that you find people often place with the military? Um, maybe, um, that come up in your conversations that you heard prior to 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 joining. Um. No, I well, I mean, again, I, I think well, unless you have experience uh, or you have um, people that are in that can explain it to you, uh, mm-hmm. I think the the vast majority of uh, the perception of what the military is um, are yeah. through movies, Full Metal Jacket, same. You know those war movies and stuff like that. Is yeah, every they, day like that? No, it's absolutely yeah. not. You know, you don't go every day, and really, there's not a whole lot of most of our those movies are based around the army, marines, stuff like that. There's not a whole lot of movies um, that kind of give you or give us some sort of a, perfe- or a perception of of the. I think the um, the the Navy is very is a lot less informal than than I expected. I thought it was going to be um, a lot more like again Full Metal Jacket, you know, and everything mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, to a certain extent, it kind of goes into 
what that branch does. You know, when you yeah. have Marines and, and Army that are, you know, that's are put in harm's way. And, and a lot of times you don't have the time to, to, you know, and kind of about, um, action, you know, because I mean, that literally could be, uh, life and death. Um, mm-hmm. I think for the Navy, we are a little more away from, from that, you know, harm's way. So, um, I think this kind of comes with the territory. We are a little more uh, intellectual in terms of like kind of figuring and strategizing um, and stuff like that. So, again, I think it's a lot less normal than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, there's a lot less any cyber service member. I think there's, there's a lot of stuff that when you join the military from the humor to um, – you know, there's there's a lot of unless you are, you know, that civilians don't understand um, mm-hmm. to the terminology to um, the, certain. It, it's just yeah, yeah, um, no. Unless you're it, um, especially mm-hmm. like the humor. Definitely, you know, there's there's like veteran comedy channels, the stuff that's like, why would you even laugh at that? But to a service member. You kind of try to make, yeah. make light of the situation because you're, you know, sometimes it, it, it stinks and it's not, it's not fun. I tell my sailors now that you're not going to like every day, every day. Sometimes it's, yeah. it's, it's not entertaining. It's sometimes you hate it. And, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you just have to be mature enough to, you know what, today wasn't the greatest day. It didn't really go the way I planned, but mm-hmm. we'll be better. You know, and if you count each one of those bad days, you count every day as this is a bad day, this is a good day. I think mm-hmm. if you're, your good days outweigh the bad, then just realistic. If your bad outweighs the good, then you know, right? Yeah. It's not uh, it's not for everybody, um, mm-hmm. well, but it's it's just yeah, it's just it's just different. And I I think in in, in when you go through. Tra- drama or trauma um you go through you know crappy situations collectively you know that brings a lot of people together i think that's why a lot of service members you know especially army marine they see someone get shot or they're getting shot at or something mm-hmm. gets blown deal with that that's not every day you know for someone that is grew up working you know a nine to five and and you know, the, uh, the soft cushion of America, and then you're mm-hmm. out in the Middle East and you watch these things, it's a very dramatic, traumatic experience. But yeah. when you go through that with people, um, it, it definitely, it brings you together. And unless you've been yeah. through those things and you've been through that same, you can't trauma, really relate, you, you can't relate yeah. to it. And it, it's hard to kind of understand the, the mindset and the humor and, and that. Camaraderie. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I definitely can't imagine, right? And like you've said several times, I feel like the only thing that I would ever be able to compare it with would be those that I see in movies, Hollywood films, which are not a great representation of what it's actually like um, to witness those things, the trauma that you carry each day. And those bonds that you feel you 
you make with fellow military personnel because of these experiences that you've you've had to work through together. Um, but I want to say thank you so much, Bob, for your service, especially on Memorial Day. Um, and I love you so much. And yes, I'm getting you emotional. <laughs> well, uh, I, I do want to say I, I appreciate you uh, you thinking, um, but I, I do want to make a note that uh, today is not about the veteran, right? We today Memorial Day is is meant to remember those that have fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, some all have given some, but some have given all. You know, and, and today is not about us that are still in uniform. It's it's about those that never, you know, took uniform. Wow, that was an amazing interview with Chelsea and her brother, Brandon Christie. Now, our final interview for tonight is actually going to be with Rhett Romano, who is a part of the National Guards. Here we go. So the first question is going to be, how was your enrollment process? It was honestly pretty easy. <laughs> I, um, you know, I found out about it through a friend. She told me they paid for college. So I said, you know, I can do it and just took the job, went there, went to the base, uh, asked if I could sign up. They said, sure. Took my ASVAB, got my medical stuff cleared and enlisted. And then six months later, I went to basic training. And was the process, did it take quite a little bit of time or was it within like a few days or a week or so? Um, I think if I could recall correctly, I went there, they gave me a date to take my ASVAB. I took it, went back to the base and they gave me a list of jobs I wanted to do. And then uh, I walked around the base and I picked the one that was like most interesting to me. So, mm-hmm. After and then, that, it was like six months and then basic training. And then uh, seven years later, here I am. <laughs> so then was basic training, was that about three months worth of training? Uh, if I could remember correctly, I, it was like two and a half for basic training. And then it was okay. like one and a half or two months for my tech school. But. I've done a lot of different training, like afterwards, um, mm-hmm. but it was it wasn't too bad. I signed up when I was twenty, turned twenty one in basic training, so I didn't get to celebrate and uh, just kept it quiet. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I just kept it quiet and kept moving on. So yeah. So then, with your because um, you've been there now for seven years you said right in august it'll be like seven years yeah oh wow so then with everything that you've gotten to go through um how would you describe your job like exactly what you do um it's fun (laughs) if you're up (laughs) for a challenge um it's definitely rewarding especially working you know at our base it's um it's it's cool for my job because I get to see like every aspect of the base and what everybody does. So I, it it's a good mix of uh, inside office work and like outside physical type work. But uh, mm-hmm. I get a good scope of how everything works on the base. So it's uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah. 
And then to someone that wouldn't know anything about the the international guards, how would you describe exactly, I guess, your day to day? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, it's the Air Air National Guard, but uh, Air National Guard. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, my day to day, it varies, and that's the thing is like, um, you know, there's some days where we're there till like, uh, you know, working all night till three in the morning. There's some days where there's nothing going on. There's some days where it's, uh, you know some hurricane happens and then, you know, you have to go in, do your thing and you just got to be willing to be flexible, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, I would say day to day, um, we're busy, you know, and uh, some people don't like being busy, but in terms of how much we work, but the biggest thing is like, you got to know why you joined and, your why should be, you know, strong enough to get you through some of those, uh, like, tough days. Yeah. And then with the National Guards, would you say, because obviously you said you have to be flexible, would you say it's pretty hard to go away if you want to take a vacation or if you want days off or anything like that? Um, it, it depends, you know. Um, we just started getting uh, more people full-time where I work, but uh, it, you have to really kind of be good at coordinating your time and managing your time. And that's the biggest thing is just being proactive with your time is huge. So Mm -hmm. uh, I would say yes and no. (laughs) Yeah. So Rhett, would you say that you have a set schedule? Like, specific days of the week that you know you're kind of on call if anything were to happen or do you are you just kind of 24 7 me i'm i'm kind of 24 7 um i do have a set schedule but you know if uh you know they need me in i'm going in (laughs) yeah of course and then whenever you I don't know if it's re-enlist or re-sign. Which one would it be? Whenever, I guess your contract is up. Re-enlist. Re-enlist. Okay, so whenever you're re-enlisting, I'm not sure if it's different for each branch. Um, Would it be three years that you're re-enlisting for or would it be more? Uh, It varies, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first started, I enlisted for six years, which is kind of a long time, but it passed by so quick. Um, so it it depends on like how long you're in and the type of contract you're signing. So some, some contracts have a bonus. So, uh, you know, if you do six years, you'll get like a $20,000 bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But for me, I just, I'm, I'm doing three, three more years. So. Yeah. And then for, the national guards are there have you had family members in that branch or in different branches i know you said your brother is also is he in the national guards or does he do something else yeah he's he's in the army um, okay but i I think i'm the first you know I, i had a grandpa that was uh that was in the army during world war two and his brother too, mm-hmm. but immediate family. I think it's just uh, 
me and my younger brother at the moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And then especially being able to kind of compare and contrast the two different branches. Um, I'm I'm sure you and your brother have talked about it, but how does he like the Army so far? Um, He enjoys it because that's, you know, it's more of his speed, Mm -hmm. so to say. Um, he, He already has his degree. And he already has his teaching degree for physical fitness. So um, he wanted to join because, you know, he wanted to. It's not like uh, it's not like me where I wanted to go into because uh, I needed college. You know, yeah. he's doing this because he wants to. So, mm-hmm. And then for the National Guards, like I know, obviously, there's a bunch of different movies with people in the National Guards or in different <laughs> branches. Yeah. Um, would you say so? For also my knowledge and everyone else's knowledge, would you say, obviously, you have to be a good swimmer, right, to be in the National Guard? <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm just going to say no, but... Oh, really? They're, they're, yeah, so, it, every job... In the Air Force, it's it's different because every job is just specific to what they do. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you were just, like, let's say you were to be, like, a, a pararescueman in the Air Force then yeah, you would have to be an amazing swimmer because I think Mm -hmm. through their uh, training, it has like the highest fail rate of the military. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if I ever wanted to join the national guards, then I know I can join now because I'm not a, I don't know how to swim at all, but I can, (laughs) I'll be like, well, Rhett told me I can join and not know how to swim. Okay. That's good to know. So if you're, if you were to do the Marines or something like that, you would have to. Okay. I think, I think it's part of their PT test. That yes. They actually have See, to swim. That's what I was thinking. And I feel like it's so interesting knowing because so many people, they just see the army as like, Oh, it's the army. Like everything's under one thing, but there's so many different branches. Yeah. Um, and there's so much death within each one. Was there, I guess, was there a different branch that you'd want to jump into if you wouldn't have, pick the national guards i mean at this point probably not but Mm -hmm. um if looking back if i was you know to go back in time i would probably do like active duty just because you know you get you get a chance to travel and you get a chance to like go to different countries and stuff like that which you know it's nice being in the national guard because you get to stay home and Mm -hmm. uh you know still be able to to you know be a part of the military but yeah uh, you know if i were to do it again i would still be in the air force and Mm -hmm. maybe do active duty just for that chance to you know (laughs) live somewhere else for yeah Yeah. especially after you know covid i'm ready to like go somewhere else for a change Mm mm-hmm and then, so you actually did get to travel somewhere else, and you were there for about six months, right? Yeah, yeah. So could you just tell me a little bit about your experience? And was that your first time out of the country, or how was your experience with the culture over there as well as just working over there as well? Um, it was definitely hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. You know, I like being in those like type of environments where it's like, you know, something new, you know, we worked nonstop. The heat was excruciating, but 
um, it was definitely cool to be in that environment because you, you get to see some things that you typically never would see, you know, and being over there, it definitely makes you more appreciative of what, you know, what we have here. So, yeah. And would you say that you experience culture shock at all? Because I know that I know that the first time I went to Cambodia and it is obviously every country is very different. But when you go to a third world country where it's very different, you kind of experience a bit of culture shock. Would you say you experienced that at all while you were over there? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say culture shock but um because you know when you're there you're on the base the whole time Mm -hmm. but it's definitely it definitely opens your mind when you uh you know travel outside the base and (laughs) you see what the living conditions are you know outside the u.s and especially in third world countries it's uh you know it's just crazy how like you know how big the world is and you know Mm mm-hmm how other people live. Oh, absolutely. And so I have just two more questions for you. And it's, what would you say has been, obviously you've been in it for quite a few years now. What would you say has been your favorite memory or moment or experience within your journey so far? Um, I would have to say uh, just the deployment, you know, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. It was uh I got to see and go travel around a little bit over there. And uh, I saw some things people typically wouldn't see in the Air Force. Uh, Nothing like crazy, but, you know, it was just a cool experience, you know. Um, You know, the the type of work we did, you know, major adrenaline pump. So um, Mm -hmm. it was just overall, it was a cool experience. And, yeah. Yeah. And then... So I have, I said I had one more question, but I actually might have one other one. Okay. Um, But, okay, so either last or second to last question. So if for anybody that's thinking of joining the Air Force or the Army or any other branch, what would, I guess, be the best advice you could give them to help them in their journey or to kind of prepare them for what's to come? Um, I would just say, you know, make sure that you have a reason to join, you know, there's a lot of people that go in that just do it because they expect, you know, um, they, uh, sometimes people just join for no reason. They don't really have mm-hmm. like a good enough reason. And then when times get difficult, they just kind of, you know, back away from a challenge or just kind of, um, don't apply themselves as much as they could be. So. You know, if you have a, a reason in your mind to join, if that reason's, you know, strong enough, it'll get you through uh, through anything, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like that's such great advice because there's so many people that go into a lot of different professions without that reason as to why. And then a few years in, they kind of either get bored or, as you said, when things get rough, they kind of doubt why they ever joined so that's really really good advice and then so this is my last and it's um when you first joined the air force or the national guards what would you say or who would you say was the most supportive person or someone that gave you um that either that push or that 
um, support that you needed? Um, I would say, you know, definitely my parents for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to uh, make my dad proud and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, show him, you know, what I was capable of doing in life, um, especially my mom too. Uh, you know, I could go to her for anything. So yeah. it's definitely, you know, I'm definitely very thankful to have uh, such a good relationship with them. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, <laughs> my parents. That's amazing. And especially like when you have that support system too, it makes it a bit easier to make a tough decision like that. Or or sometimes it might not even be a tough decision. It just might be like, okay, this is a good decision for me. So I completely agree. Um, Yes, sure. But yeah, and I just wanted to thank you so much because those are all my questions. But (laughs) would you say there's anything else that you want to share about the National Guard's um, uh, it's probably not what most people expect. If you're going to do it have a reason to do it and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep that reason strong or your, your will strong. We hope you all have enjoyed our interview special with Alexander Mayarella, Brandon Christie, and Rhett Romano. And we also hope that you stay tuned for our Table Talk episode next Monday. So please pick out your favorite onesies. And mark your calendars because it's going to be a night to remember. Thank you for listening to our May interview special as we dived into conversation with a few past and present military personnel. Stay tuned for next Monday's Table Talk episode. And to keep up to date with all things Coffee and Onesies, head on over to Coffee and Onesies podcast on Instagram. Turn on those notifications, like a photo, follow us, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And be on the lookout for next week's episode drop. See you next week.